Pleasure to me is wonder, the unexplored, the unexpected, the thing that is hidden and the changeless thing that lurks behind superficial mutability. To trace the remote in the immediate, the eternal in the ephemeral, the past in the present, the infinite in the finite. These are to me the springs of delight and beauty. H.P. Lovecraft Welcome to the Mirror. As always, I'm Justin Reed, and this is a very special episode. It's a very special episode today for two reasons. And the first of these reasons is that I won't bury the lead. I'll go straight to the exciting thing. But back when I started this podcast, and it probably was conceived as an idea many, many years ago, and basically took some kind of form that I actually was confident in and actually uh, was excited about uh, sort of halfway through 2020 when I ended my last podcast project, 7213. My goal with this project was not just to take these ideas and to have these conversations, I guess, with myself and a little bit with other people that in my isolation because of the coronavirus and because of living in a small town and, and sort of, you know, just, just feeling that isolation, but having this growing sentiment inside me that my life was in a place that wasn't working and it hadn't been working for a long time. The way I had been living my life had been the same for most of my life and I needed to change. So when I started that process and when I started this project, it was important to me that one of, one of the the key tenets of of doing this would be that I make a commitment to myself and and I guess in a roundabout way that also means a commitment to the people listening to this project but it was important that I make a commitment to myself that I stick with this project if it felt like I wanted to do it and that is very different from making a commitment to myself to stick with this project regardless of what happens because that's how in previous moments of my life in previous projects that I've created I became disillusioned and unhappy and unwilling and 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 not interested at all in continuing with the project and I've talked about it before and there is my catchphrase again but it's important that when you do have those impulses that you stop and slow down and investigate them and ask yourself why am I having that impulse? Is it really that I don't want to do this? Am I doing something that actually doesn't sit right with who I am at the core of my being? Or is it just that I'm doing too many other things at the same time? Or that I've done so much of this that I need a break from it? And, and I'd never been in a position or understood the need to be in a position where I could ask myself those questions before. And so the commitment I made to myself, initially, I think my commitment was I'm going to create these episodes. I guess when I, when I envisioned the project, I sat down on, I think it was November 22nd, 2020 and recorded the first episode. And I had a bunch of ideas in mind of what this project could be. But at that point, I didn't know when it would be coming out. I think at that point I thought like, 
this is going to come out in December. I'm going to record this now and then next month I'm going to record it and then every month I'll record another episode. But that's not uh, <laughs> that's not really how things turned out because after I recorded sort of two or three episodes, I think I realized, oh, I really like this method of doing it when I feel like it, of coming to this project when it feels right as opposed to saying, I'm going to create a weekly podcast and then before you know it, you're two years into something that you barely give a shit about and the the quality of the project has lessened over time and, and we'll get into that idea a little bit further but I realized what I need to do instead of worrying about you know I, I should create one podcast a month and release it monthly and, and keep myself to that that structure the the real structure I needed was a structure of flexibility. And that is a contradiction in a way that many of the things that all of us do every single day are contradictions. And that that structure after recording a few episodes helped me realize that what I needed to do rather than looking at this as something that I needed to show up to every day like a job or show up to every week or fortnight or month as I thought it would be is that when I felt like it, I should show up to it because there was no timeline on this. There was no financial incentive at the beginning of this project to start this. It was purely just ideas that I wanted to express and to explore. And that was the most important thing. And, you know, it was around that time uh, last year. Oh, well, 2020, I'm not sure when you'll be listening to this, but it was around that time that I, you know, had been really, really rethinking my entire life and questioning everything to do with my career and my choice of being a filmmaker and what that meant to be a commercial filmmaker versus, you know, actually creating works of art, which is what I had intended to do when I first set out to, to make things, you know, as, as a, as a teenager leading into a young adult and being at that point, I, I realized that what I needed to do was, yeah, not look at this as a, as a timeline, but look at it as a, as a, as a project that I wanted to complete. And initially I thought, you know, an ambitious thing to do would be to create 10 episodes of a podcast because with my previous project, 7213, I created eight and that was over a space of four months or something like that. And, uh, with this new approach, you know, I think I've mentioned it before too, like I recorded and not that it's about this, but, but by backing off and giving myself space and just letting myself come to it when I felt like and to sit and reflect on ideas and to let them gestate before they came out the other end into some kind of like prepackaged form, I created eight podcasts in half that time in two months, uh, like almost at a clip of, of one a week. And that was not intentional at all. There was no plan. There was no structure that I needed to record on this day, release on this day. It just happened like that. And then as the project kind of became, I guess, a little bit more ambitious or as I worked through a lot of the ideas I had and, you know, had other things going in my life, going on in my life between client projects and trying to move uh, my life to a a new location, somewhere quite far from where I was living, uh, you know, that, that slowed down. and, And I think at first I had some anxiety about that. And and, and when I got closer to that, you know, that 10, I realized that 10 was not enough. Uh, that, that, that was not enough of a commitment to myself and I should stretch it to 20. And that is the world's longest introduction to 
recap the reason why today is a very exciting day for this episode because this is the 20th episode <laughs> that I'm recording. And uh, I absolutely, as maybe you can tell already, this is probably going to be like the most jazz odyssey version of the mirror that exists to date. I have a lot of separate things I want to talk about. There's sort of no one topic I wanted to touch on, but I just wanted to recognize that this occasion today that I'm coming to this, the 20th episode of this commitment to myself to create something and, and looking at what's in front of me. As I'm recording this, I have three separate art journals that I'm going to be reading from because I have so many ideas mapped across them. And I've just started actually yesterday, my sixth art journal in nine months, I think, or yeah, I think it was about September, October last year, I decided I'm going to start these art journals and they're all about 120 pages long and I've filled five of them with a shit ton of ideas and it's incredibly exciting because not only have I, I been, you know, exercising that creativity across these, this timeline of, of these, these 20 episodes that have kind of been sort of the, the distillation of a lot of the ideas and things I've been working on, but I have, I have seen those ideas come into being in concrete form in filmmaking experiments I've been doing, like the visuals for the mirror in, in the audio recordings and some of the sort of different approaches to episodes I've been doing between, you know, like the, uh, the dosing culture reading series, which I think was incredibly important for me to live with that document over a series of six or seven months or so, as I have to continuously come back to it and and read it and see where I'm at in a process of changing my ideas as, as that essay has been pretty fundamental alongside, you know, certain other uh, projects that I, I am, I'm, a, I'm a, either a, a reader of or a listener of or a viewer of or am, am indeed a contributing patron of, like the cinema cartography, and, and, and I'll talk a little bit about them in this episode as well. But to, yeah, to see these things come into fruition and also to be at this point where the things I'm going to talk about today, I guess, are going to outline what I see as the, I guess, the new way forward, the, the new relationship with art and social media that I have, the new, the new path forward for me as, a, as an artist and, and sort of, I guess, addressing a little bit of a recap of like how the project's gone so far. And, and, and this is not to say this is an ending to the mirror, but this is absolutely the closing of one chapter, I feel, and the beginning of a new chapter. And we, we, I'll go through that in, in further detail as this episode unfolds. Uh, but before I forget again, because it's been 10 minutes and I've, and I've been talking about the first of the two reasons why this is an exciting episode. But the second reason is because this is the first episode that I have recorded after actually releasing the mirror out into the wider world. And I can't really sit here and talk to you about um, listenership in terms of like who's been listening or how many people are listening. And, you know, I've, I've launched this alongside of sort of the, the visuals on YouTube that I, I, I myself have been going and watching because putting some distance between when I filmed them and putting them into this visual format with the audio of, of me talking and going back and watching it. It is a different experience to, to, to not be seeing it, you know, on your computer screen, but to be 
sitting and watching it on like a, a TV and, and, and having a different relationship as I am a, a viewer with both distance and time away from it. It, it has been interesting. And um, there's been things that I've been noticing in the visuals that I haven't noticed before, uh, as well as that, you know, my, I guess, sort of, uh, you could say threadbare, I think, promotion of the mirror and my projects on my Instagram account as I still have, you know, people there that follow me and I guess want to hear from me in some regard. And yeah, it's, it's exciting because I'm finally seeing this out in the world. And I've had a couple of people, some friends of mine that maybe I didn't expect that, you know, we still keep in touch sporadically over the years, but this has been a chance to kind of reconnect and them sort of seeing me doing something like this and, you know, interacting with it from the point of view of being a listener, being a, being a viewer and it kind of forming those questions in, in their minds and then them contacting me to talk about that. I, I guess I can say a, a little shout out to, yeah, Luke and Amanda and I'm just trying to think if there's anyone else at this point. I don't think so, but you know, if you're listening to this, Luke and Amanda, uh, it's only been a couple days since you contacted me, but uh, for you, it'll probably be six months or more before you hear this, but thank you for getting in touch. And I'm glad to hear that this project, the mirror has made you think about things in, in some kind of different way or made you aware of something you weren't aware of something before. Like, honestly, that's really more than I can ask for. And at the end of the day, it is a fascinating thing to have my thoughts and my struggles and my pain and suffering, I guess, from seven, eight, well, I guess, you know, at the time of this episode even airing, probably more like 12 to 13 months on from when I first recorded those ideas to be touching people in some way and to impact them in some way. And that is a really nice thing. And I also think this distance and this new way of, of, of producing projects is a lot more healthy for me because I'm not creating things in the spotlight of social media. I'm not worried about what people are thinking because I'm doing it for me. And you know, that at the end of the day, like when you, when you close your eyes at night, when, when you finally retire for the evening and, and you put your phone away and you're not looking at your, your computer anymore, like it's just you in your mind that you have to live with. And if all you're, all you're filled with the thoughts of what other people think, I mean, it's, it's going to drive you crazy in the way that it drives many of us crazy. And it definitely in some little ways still continues to affect me. But I guess that's a, a really good segue here because I mentioned, you know, like a, the new relationship with art and social media, like the new way forward for myself. And I just wanted to talk about like where I was at and where I am now. And maybe if you've followed along the whole journey, if you've been a part of these 20 episodes and some change, um, you could, you can ask yourself and, and reflect back on yourself. Have you changed in this process? Has there been a new, a new way of, of being a new way of creating that you have come across that, that works for you, that you have been stopping and thinking more and reflecting in the way that people like Luke and Amanda have been? you know, uh, I, I would hope so. And I'm, and I'm sure I will hear from more people along the way. This is like the interesting thing about this is like, I'm recording this in July, 2021, but it won't be released until maybe 2022. So 
who knows in the intervening time what will happen. Only one episode of The Mirror has been released, but I can say for myself that, you know, I, I have absolutely changed my relationship with social media and with art and with cinema in, in ways that I couldn't have comprehended. In many ways, I thought it was impossible. I thought I was always going to be a slave to uh, social media, to the the content machine, to my devices and my screens, because that's where that's where my validation came from. That's where I felt like I was seen in the world. And to an to an extent, yes, but you're always going to be chasing something that you can never attain. It, and and this this comes back to you know, recapping some of the things we've talked about, but like that Freudian idea of sublimation versus diversion, like creating for the masses, creating for the people, you're always going to be, you know, chasing something you can never actually get to. Whereas if you're spending your time creating for what's inside you and following that inner sense of yourself, like the the true self, the unconscious that that drives you and 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 goes beyond your ego about, you know, your, your ego is there to protect you, but it also holds you back. And, and I'm no expert in these matters, but I have been listening to a podcast called This Jungian Life. And it's been really helping me with, you know, continuing to understand these things, how, how your ego plays a role in your life and how you can get to a point where you can actually like listen to your, your true subconscious and let it guide you. And I think that more than anything is what has resulted in what's in front of me right now. And what's in front of me right now is a desk that is completely covered with not only the three journals I'm looking at, but, you know, five or six other journals that are tucked away in a corner that are either full or half full of my thoughts and feelings and ideas, my creative expression, and a, a, I guess a, a half sort of finished script document that I'm working on for a short film. Uh, that has been sort of in my mind for less than six months, maybe three or four months, but I'm now finally starting to move it into some kind of production. That that was impossible for me to imagine before. And I think it came down to like when you live, when you live a life just based on like what is happening in front of you, like the social media, but also the news and, and all the misery and all the horrible things that are going on all the time and having all these inputs in your life, you couldn't possibly imagine that you could, you could actually birth and create something beautiful or interesting or poetic or, or, or mundane or whatever you want to call it, however you would describe what it is that you create. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, as I've said before, whether it's, whether it's gardening, whether it's woodworking, whether it's painting, whether it's filmmaking, it doesn't matter what the hell it is that you do, but I've been in that place for so long. Like I, as a child, you, you aren't, you aren't, uh, you aren't concerned with those things in the world. And, and, and it is an, an ignorance is bliss situation. And it's not like I sit here and I'm not empathetic to the things happening in the world because I absolutely am. But for the most part, you know, and, and this is a, a tragedy of being, but 99% of that stuff you have no impact over. But what you do have impact over is what is around you, what is in your community. I've reiterated it time and time again. And your community starts with, with you at the center of it. You are at the center of that. And then you, you have to make yourself useful and 
and competent and loving towards yourself so that then you can love others. I mean, any RuPaul's Drag Race fans out there will absolutely know what I'm about to say, but if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love anybody else? Can I get an amen? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's these cliches that we constantly bump up against. And I think that we often, we often take them in the wrong way. And we often, we often don't realize that just because they're cliches doesn't mean they aren't accurate. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you need to swing the pendulum completely the other way because we live in a world that is constantly wanting you to feel awful, to feel like it's your fault that the climate is fucking exploding and that this pandemic seems to be going on endlessly and, and nothing is ever going to be better and the borders will never open and you're never going to be able to see the people you care about again. And, and that's what the culture wants you to do. But we create culture. You know, it may not feel like it because as people like myself in my position who are, you know, I'll be frank with you. I'm sitting here with $300 in my bank account, if that. And, you know, that's not exactly in a capitalist world. That's not exactly the kind of position you would be in to, uh, I don't know, to feel like you can really shift the needle in any way, considering that, as, as I have said, I'm, I'm a materialist and I think that material resources <laughs> uh, is what is uh, what runs the world and I don't have the material resources to fix every problem I know what I would like to do so what can I do well I have a creative vision I have a vision of what I would like the future to be I know how I would want things to be so what can I do with what I have well I have pen and I have paper I can afford those things I can start there I can start by writing down what it is that I feel and what it is that I think the world should be like. And that is not from a dictatorial standpoint, uh, although, you know, in a way to be an artist is to be a dictator because you are, you are dictating how things should be. But it is returning to that fundamental role of art, as, as Chris Crawford said, to, to try and change people in some way, not to influence them, not to, not to propagandize them in the way that, you know, advertisement and, and, mass media and like the mainstream culture that we live in all the time tries to do, but to, to leave them changed in some way after they explore your art. And that is where I have been from not only being off social media and not reading the news and, and, and not shoving all this horrible stuff down my, down my esophagus every single day. But also when I feel the need to want to engage with something, I reach out to more challenging art. I go to art galleries I go to the cinema, I go to that sacred space where you can you can disappear for a time and maybe you're in some kind of fantasy world that could never be real or maybe you are experiencing something so mundane that's like a, a Lav Diaz five-hour film that the entire thing is filmed on tripods and shots go on for 20 minutes at a time and it just shows people going about their their day and, and you know, the, the small family dramas of living in the rural Philippines, things like that. But that in and, in and of itself is revolutionary because that is showing someone something they hadn't seen before. That is making someone realize something. To sit down and watch a five-hour film, God, that, that takes patience. That takes some kind of dedication, you know, to not just sit there scrolling on your phone the whole time. Because at some point, you're going to be bored. And I've talked about the power of boredom a lot. Um, and, and I'm absolutely a proponent of it. That boredom that free time for daydreaming that I baked into my life has allowed me to 
not only take more from the art that I engage with, but need it less. You know, I'm, I'm now at a point where I've watched so many movies and I am reading more books and I am engaging with more art than I ever have before that my desire, my needs to constantly have something there, it is lessening. That has changed. It has not fully gone away. I still have a desire that I want to fill downtime with things. But when I go for a ride on my bike, I don't always take my headphones with me. You know, I, I often do because it can be like amazing to be like I was, I was riding the other day and here's another recommendation for you. Um, the album would be out by the time this episode, <laughs> episode releases. But so far, um, my favorite band, Deaf Heaven, if I've mentioned them before, I'm not sure, but they're, they're amazing. And I'm hoping to do a, a sort of a study on them uh, at some point in, in the near to midterm future. But I was listening to their, the songs that they released recently from their new album called Great Mass of Color and The Gnashing. And I was just riding along through the neighborhood. Um, it was pretty cold and windy, but there wasn't any, um, wasn't any rain, thankfully. And I was just cruising along at a, at a breakneck speed. And I just like, it just felt good. It felt like being 19 again when I didn't have my license and all I had was a bike and Deaf Heaven's album Sunbather had recently come out and I just discovered them. And it was like the best thing in the world. Like, oh, I've got a 40 minute bike ride ahead of me. No worries. That's like three Deaf Heaven songs. I can put that on and I'm just going to fucking push through it and it's going to be great. Uh, it felt like that again. And there was this moment where I was like riding along in the streets and, you know, the sun's like kind of gone down, but there's still light in in the sky. It's not like it's going to, um, you know, darkness or anything like that. And this, this like swarm of, uh, that's probably not a good word, but just this whole heap of cockatoos just flew over me, not like right over me, but you know, a good sort of 10, 20 meters in the air. And, and I could just sort of hear them. And it was like this magical moment. And I was, I was like riding, I was like standing up and looking at them and the music was pumping and I was just transported somewhere else. And that made me realize something about the films of Terrence Malick, who is sometimes accused of uh, making really boring films about mundane things. And just like uh, people talk about how he'll like have a scene constructed on set with like Brad Pitt and Jessica Chastain. And they're like, you know, rolling 35 millimeter film, which costs hundreds and hundreds of dollars per minute to even film and everyone that's on set. And then a, and a, 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 a heap of birds will fly past and he'll be like, wait, film the birds, film the birds instead, because his work, and this is such a digression, but I don't care. Just take, let's go there. Let's, let's take this voyage. Like I said, jazz odyssey. He wants to, I realize like how he wants to show life and how life is just full of these like sort of disconnected moments. And they don't really seem to make sense from a, from a narrative, like, but in a poetic sense, it makes sense. And in that moment, as I saw those birds, I was like, this is a Terrence Malick movie and I understand his, his films right now and everything is awesome. It was just, you know, it was just so good. And that is one thing I like to do is listen to the music, but sometimes I don't. And that's when ideas come, you know, like I've, I've talked about in the shower when I'm driving, the amount of times I've gone for like a five minute drive and then come back. And as I'm coming back, I'm like, holy shit, I need to get home right now and write down these things because I'm going to lose it. And if I lose this, this feels important. <laughs> I can't do that. So 
that's that's where I'm at, I guess, with social media and art and film. I don't know if that made any sense, but I really, I really don't care. I'm I'm taking this riff where it's going. Um, you know, I, I with this project, um, I've been thinking for a while about where I want it to go, and I guess the last couple of months just sort of two months and I think it's been since I've moved um moved states that I felt like things have changed and of course they have because I'm I'm no longer sitting at home by myself you know I'm no longer just having these conversations by myself I have other people around me and we have different conversations and I'm you know I'm with my sisters and and they love to watch certain things they love RuPaul's Drag Race that's how I've been seeing it they love watching different reality TV and things like that. And I, like I said, I, I don't have the same desire and sort of tolerance for sitting through lots of things all the time. So I'm pretty selective. I, I, I don't watch a lot of stuff all the time, but when I do, I'm, I'm usually wanting to watch something quite specific about, you know, what I've been researching to do with films at the time. Um, I probably don't want to sit down and watch these kinds of things, but I have been giving myself over to it a little bit and, and engaging with things I wouldn't normally do, like like Drag Race, like the Making the Cut series, uh, the, the sort of fashion design uh, reality TV show on Amazon Prime. And like there are things to be gleaned from it for sure. I wouldn't say there's art, but, you know, there are, there are things to learn. And, and I've come to a point where I can appreciate that. And I, I like to think I haven't always been super judgmental. I mean, I've struggled with it, but... I like to think that I'm accepting of people's cultural diets and, you know, the things that they're into. And I, and I do recognize that people like what they like and, and, and that's, that's, that's just how it is. But I guess as long as, and this is my hope, my sincere hope that as long as you're aware of where you're at in your life, as long as you're, you know, not only using these things as a crutch, as a diversion at all times, as long as like you're, your need for catharsis is not just being indulged to a level that is turning you into some kind of automaton with, with no empathy and, you know, unable to, unable to see, see a world beyond yourself and to see, or, or, or even worse, see a world where you can't create anything, where you're only a consumer. Um, I think that's fine, but it, but as long as you're able to do those things too, and I wouldn't recommend that everyone everyone live their life my way because like I said, I don't make a lot of money right now because I'm, I'm transitioning from, you know, being someone who made a decent amount of money doing commercial filmmaking to having no clue, I guess what comes next and to moving over here with no exact plan because I still just needed that, that level of flexibility. But it's coming to a point where I know now that, um, I know, I know how to move forward. I do. And I, and I'm seeing that I'm knowing what I want and to kind of, to kind of talk about what's coming and how I am moving forward. I, I just wanted to read from, I, I wrote this, uh, on the 6th of July and it was going to be what I was going to call this final episode, but I've naturally expanded it just beyond this idea, but I called it what am I afraid of? And I wanted to share my vulnerabilities and 
my vulnerabilities specifically in regards to this project are how hard it is to create sometimes, you know, when, when I don't believe in myself or I don't believe in my work or I'm constantly wanting approval or desperately seeking it. And those are the things I've had to overcome. And, you know, I've been off social media for so long, but I'll go on there sometimes and have those relapses and I've kind of talked about them. And it's just been like such a struggle and, and I'll have to put a link here to um, a video by Savannah Brown, who was always just so good at capturing how exactly I feel on YouTube. Um, not about YouTube, but she's she makes YouTube videos from time to time, and they always seem to um, resonate with me. And th this is just a list of the things I wrote down that I agreed with that she said she felt like she hates she hates uh, unearned confidence. So she steps in the other direction, you know, I, I, and I agree with her that like, I, I just, I just want to make stuff. I don't want to sell shit to people. Um, especially when it feels like what I'm selling is myself. And it's, it's, it's uh, like, I've been a salesperson since I started working. That was my first job and pretty much everything I've done is some kind of selling yourself. And that's the new world that we live in. You are the product. We, we know this, but I'm so fucking sick of it. I just want to be at a point where I can make enough money to, to make the work that I want to do. And, and another quick digression here, there's a, I will link it as well, but there is a really great Lars von Trier interview that is kind of heartbreaking because it's quite recent and he's been, um, he's been addicted to alcohol for many years. He, he's an amazing filmmaker, an amazing artist, incredibly thoughtful person, but you know, he's, he struggled with alcohol addiction and now that he's quitting or, or is trying to quit, it's been quite difficult. And the state he's in is due to the medication that he's taking. But he said in this interview, and I, and I absolutely would recommend you watch the whole thing. He said he wants enough people to see his work so that he can make his next film. No more than that. No more than that. The no more is important because if you have more than that, your work becomes sloppy and then everything's just about money. And that's, that's what I want to do. You know, like I want to do that, but I've been so caught up in this idea of like needing to have a certain amount of money before you do things and needing to have a certain amount of resources or doing things a certain way. And even with this project, like feeling that I need to build a certain size audience and make a certain amount of money from people. And like, that's, that's great if people do want to support me because it does go a long way. And I do welcome, you know, that's why I have the memberships there. I do, I do welcome people fund my projects if they can, but I, I need to do something as well that helps me make that money. And I guess like what I've been struggling with is that I felt like, people need me. And so I don't want to be, I don't want to be forgotten. And the reality is that people need themselves and that's it. And for everything else to do with that, I'm just projecting like people don't need me to do things for them. They don't need me to make work for them. They don't need me to make music videos. They just need to believe them that they can, they just, they just need to believe that they can do that themselves that is like, and, and I think that's like the true ultimate gift that I could give anyone and hope that if you get anything from this is that you don't need, you don't need me, 
you know, like you don't need me in your life. You don't need the mirror. You don't need any of this shit. And I'm not saying my work is shit and I'm not saying I'm a bad person. I'm just saying use these tools to get to a point where you don't need it anymore. Become someone that you are okay living with because you have to live with yourself all the time. And if you constantly rely on these things and if, and if I were to be like some of these creators to constantly just push out shit for the sake of it, I could, I could be contributing to that. And I, and I have a moral and ethical stance that I don't want to be there. I don't want to be at that point. And I think the, the creators, the artists, the whatever you want to call them that I respect the most are the people that do the work in silent and just put it out there. And then that's it. Like, I don't even want to be on Instagram. And at this point I might not even be fucking posting on there anymore. I don't know. I've given myself a commitment with that too, where I said, I'll go hard at it for six months and create material for it. But that's not what interests me. I just want to make films. I just want, I just want to make art that can maybe impact people that can maybe make people realize that you don't have to wait to do things that you don't have to have a million dollars. I mean, I have filmmaker friends who have so much money that do amazing commercial work that are incredibly dissatisfied and they can't, they can't get out of that mindset because they feel like they have to be the person, you know? And I get it. It's an impulse that I have too. Like I just, I just want to be adored and loved and to make something that's important to change minds and hearts that beyond entertainment that reshapes the world in some way. But if you start from that premise, you will also drive yourself insane the the only mind that you really need to change is your own. The only heart that you really need to heal is your own. And if you do that, I, I have this, I mean, it's an anti-capitalist belief. It's a, it comes from love. I, I believe that you, you will shape others' hearts and minds. And I hope that my reshaping and, and hopefully softening of, of myself and my heart will help other people in some way, but I can never know. I can never know that and I, I can never force it. And that's why I I hold myself back from certain things is because I'm like, well, is this going to have that impact? And and I don't know. But again, like you all don't live in my mind. I live in my mind. You're getting a glimpse of it through this project, but that's filtered through through my unconscious self, through to my ego, out into the world. You know, there there are things that even though I want to, share my vulnerabilities, there are things that I won't share. But there are, I'll I'll read a bit more here. I think that's going to be a bit easier for me. But some other things that I'm afraid of, like, does this matter? Does this project matter? Does any of this matter? Am I trying hard enough? Don't forget me. Fear comes from the lack of creativity and control and being misunderstood. But as Savannah Brown also says, it does help to focus on the work rather than the unknowns. It's really important to, I guess, be able to look at your work like a viewer, not yourself. Like you're, you're always going to be aware of all the moving parts, but if you can put maybe time and distance between your work, it will help with this. It helps with seeing your strengths and weaknesses. And that's, that's another thing that I didn't realize would, would come from creating the mirror this way. 
but I'm able to see what works for me and what doesn't. And, you know, I really like when I, when I riff and I, uh, I really like when I riff and I, you know, just go off the cuff on certain things. But I also feel like I get frustrated with myself a little bit. I like the meandering topics because that's the kind of thing I like. I like to hear conversation go in different directions and all different ideas at different times. But I also really like when something is just a fixed idea. And that's what, that's what films are. That's what a painting is. That's what a novel is. They are usually an idea that is created around a fixed thing and that might fluctuate in different directions and you know novels and and films are really great for that but it is really nice to just have something fixed in place and I think that that's where I guess I'm going to go next with the mirror is that I'm looking at rather than coming to these sporadically I'm still going to spend my time working on them but what I'm going to create is more thought out and a bit more produced and maybe they will be shorter in length but they will be uh they will be constructed in a more intentional way and and that's not to say i dislike these 20 episodes i've done that i'm throwing them away that i think they were a failure i think they were what was needed to get to a point where i was even confident in myself to to do something more ambitious. You know, I I talked about in the taking risks episode about how people are afraid to take the risk of showing up sincerely of being who they are, who they are and, and to genuinely do that. People really like hiding behind the either a false, a false unearned confidence as, as, uh, as Savannah Brown talks about in her video or this sense of like, you know, sort of cynical disconnection of like, yeah, whatever, I made this, it's it's cool, whatever, you know. Yeah, <laughs> just me and the boys having a laugh. And it's like, well, what do you want? Do you do you want to be taken seriously? Do do you want people to care? Because if you don't care, no one else will care. And not that it should fucking matter that other people care or not. It should only matter that you care, that you come to it in a serious way. And that doesn't mean that everything you do has to be dark and brooding. The content doesn't need to be serious, but the approach needs to be serious. And I think that that's what I've shown myself, I guess, more than anything, that that I can that I can take myself seriously, that I can apply myself to something. Because I've just thought my entire life, I've just failed at everything I've done. When I was a, a small child, I wanted to be a cricket superstar. Then it was rugby league, then rugby union then I wanted to be a rock star, you know, then, then I wanted to be a photographer. Then I wanted to be a graphic designer. Then I wanted to be a startup entrepreneur. And then I wanted to be a filmmaker and all of these things. And, and all of them, I've thought I've just failed them all, you know, but by letting go of, of these ideas of who I am and letting go of that idea of like failure and allowing myself to actually succeed. And I think that's it too. Like I've never, I've never allowed myself to succeed. I've never allowed myself to invest in something, to commit to something because my entire life I've told myself, you'll never amount to anything. And I think that's true. I think I've never consciously said this out loud, but I've always told myself, you'll never amount to anything. You're not worth it. It doesn't matter what people say. You're not good enough. You've never taken anything seriously. So you'll never take anything seriously again. Here I am at episode fucking 20 and I'm like, I've taken this so seriously, but it's not serious enough. 
<laughs> oh, this is a, it's not even like a weight off my chest. I think like I've been admitting these things to myself for a while now. And that's another reason why I can't just sort of go back into that world of just mindlessly consuming certain content. I mean, I love like comedy podcasts. Like that is, there is really only one or two I listen to. If you really want to know what it is, just contact me. I'm not sort of, uh, I'm not ashamed of it, but you know, fuck it. I come down. That's what it's called. Uh, that's another vulnerability. It's, it's fucking over the top. It's ridiculous. It's offensive. They say everything that you shouldn't say. And it's, it's a, it's a fucking reprieve from, you want to talk about seriousness. I think they take their art seriously, even though they make a stupid fucking podcast where the three of them just sit around and just have conversations they would have had that is completely pointless that don't need to be on a podcast. And that to me, I don't know, that to me is like something super welcoming. It's not art. It's not, it's, 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 it's not anything other than what it is. And it's not, that's what it is. They're not afraid to, um, they don't think it's anything more than it is, you know? And, and that's the same with me. Like I'm now realizing this is who I am and I'm not less than that, but I'm not more than that either. And that's totally okay. And, you know, I don't think it's everyone's cup of tea, but millions of people listen to it. So there's millions of people out there who must feel the same in some way. And it doesn't matter to me whether, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me whether other people understand or accept it. I don't understand or accept it, but we like the things that we like. Again, like it doesn't make you a morally good or bad person. You can watch Woody Allen films and Roman Polanski films, and that doesn't make you a bad person. You can love those films. You can probably even love Woody Allen and Roman Polanski, but the things that they have done, you shouldn't love. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and talk about their virtues. I, I personally, I don't have any stake in it. I've never seen, oh, I've seen Chinatown. It's a great film, but I've never really seen much of their work. Midnight in Paris is a great film too. But that's not the point of this conversation. The point of this conversation is that you need to accept yourself as you are. And part of that is is realizing that you have nothing to prove. Like I, I will never convince people that don't like my work and it's for the people that would have liked it anyway, which is why you can't change yourself for them. Like I keep obsessing about the people I know in Townsville where I grew up, but I, but I already know that like most of those people don't get it. Like there's such a wide world. There's like what, seven to 8 billion people out there. Your people, if they exist elsewhere, so make the work and then focus on them if you want to market it to them or don't. Maybe you are the only person you ever needed to make something for. Like I, I've written down here, I want to make someone feel special. Creativity, I want to make someone feel special. That person can just be you. And I do feel special now. That's so silly, but I do feel special about... about showing to myself that I can do it. And that's why, you know, standing here, sitting here, I'm not standing sitting here at the end of, uh, you know, 20 episodes and, and six art journals and a, and a, and a nearly 12 month journey of like turning my fucking life around that it feels good. It feels light to be at this point where I can just say, this is who I am. And, and like I said, it's always going to be filtered through different things, but 
I just want to read uh, a couple quotes here that I wrote down. I'm pretty sure verbatim from Savannah Brown's videos. And then I've got a couple more things to get to. And then I'll get to my notes for the episode. <laughs> How does that sound? So I wrote down here, showing anything at all is a fuck you to the claustrophobia of the human experience. Even in the face of the violence of discovery, it's scary to be known, to let things be seen, to say this as good as I can do, and I hope it finds you well. The ability to create is an evolutionary birthright that it's impossible to not be worthy of and really short-sighted to waste. And when you consider that what it actually means to be here at all and able to do anything, thoughts of, oh, I'm worried it's not good enough, sort of dissipate. I want time to think. I want time to move slowly. But the thought of getting better, thinking better, knowing more, makes aging exciting. I want to see what I make with more time. I couldn't have said that better. I mean... When I watched this video that she put out, again, it'll be in the episode notes. I was like, I didn't need to make the mirror. I just needed to show people this video. Like it is that, it is that clued into how I'm feeling. But I think that the reality is, and that there was, there's no sense of sadness or regret or I'm not good enough or whatever in there, but just a sense of like, but I couldn't have realized that without making the mirror. And for whoever you are out there listening to this, I hope that you can make your mirror (laughs) you can face the mirror you can look at yourself in the mirror and truly peel back the layers and see what's underneath there to create whatever it is in your life that you need to create a family uh, uh, a, a better a better room to live in space for you to grow space for you to breathe like this is all so esoteric but that's the truth i can't tell you what to do with your circumstances i mean you can come and talk to me and I can see if I can help. I am totally open to that and I totally welcome it if I can help you, if I'm available to do that. If, But don't be scared to reach out. Don't be scared to contact me because I'm just another fucking human being figuring this all out. And it's because of that as well that, like I said, I, I, I've, I've shown myself now that I can put things out there and it, it, you know, it didn't get the million views I wanted on day one, but hey, who, who's really uh, complaining with uh, 12 YouTube views on the first video? I mean, I, I just don't give a shit. Like there was a, there was a small feeling of like, ah, where are the views? But it's like, I have so much other stuff going on. I have so many projects in the works that I, I can't even fucking worry about that. Like I, I just can't. And you know, I, I have to, I have to let go of these things and, and I have to let go of commercial filmmaking. I've been talking about it for the last fucking however long I have one project left, really the others that I'm working on are sort of like things that I am just doing at my own pace. And there's not really any money involved, but they will be shared with other people and used for other people. But I have one project left. And I think part of the reason why I haven't finished it and it's been sitting there for a couple months now is not only my desire to not do it anymore, but because like once I've done that, I'm not a commercial filmmaker anymore. And that's a really hard thing to do is to let go of who you are, to let go of your pain and your suffering. 
but I've, uh, I've finally found uh, some income. It's not much, but I've found something that I can do to start earning some money again. And it's something a little bit physical, like I've talked about before. And it's, it's something that's engaging like a, a different part of my life that I can do without, you know, giving away all my creative time. It's probably only going to be at first, maybe five to 10 hours a week. Maybe it'll build up from there. It's not really important what it is. It's just that that's an important thing too, is like, letting letting go of the idea that I can't do anything else because I can't and I and I I need money and resources to live as we all do but it doesn't fucking have to come from that bullshit you know the thing that you hate and talking more about like letting things go like it it sounds like this is an addendum a post-mortem again perhaps but not at all like like I said this is not an ending this is this is just the closing of a chapter and an opening of another one. And the the funny thing is that like you're probably going to hear things uh, before you hear this episode, you will have heard things that I've decided to create for the mirror to work on for the mirror in the meantime. And some of them are not uh, super strenuous or anything like that. But, you know, like I said, I don't have all the answers and I don't always feel like I am the best person to always explain things. And that's why, it is great that there is such a wealth of art and film and whatever out there. And, and part of the things that I want to do with the mirror going forward is to highlight those works and those artists like I have been doing, but a bit more intensely and to really focus in on what it is that I feel makes them so special and, and what makes them worth paying attention to. Uh, so, so, you know, you will have heard readings of not just nonfiction, but, but fictional works of literature that I, I think are particularly important or, or that have impacted me in some way. And, and that is something I've been thinking about recently. So to kind of confuse the timeline a bit again, it doesn't matter. It's about this time that I started putting those things into practice and, and focusing on a new way forward for not just my life because I've been doing that for the last year, but for the mirror as well, for it to, it's time for it to evolve into something else and to let go of where it's at right now and to, yeah, spend that time. And, and I, I'm not going to put any time on it, any deadlines. I'm just going to take a break from this. But in the meantime, I'm working on other things. You know, I have, I have so many things that I'm working on and I've kind of talked about the screenplay and film I've been writing and I've realized in the last couple of months that I've fucking missed filming things. I've fucking missed being in the environment of, you know, that creation of, of, of planning and, and, uh, you know, shortlisting and then going out and filming and working with people. And, and I've, I've really missed it, but I always really hated when I had to do it on, on the commercial time frame of like, Oh, we've got one hour to film this thing. So let's slap it together. And here's whatever, like, I've been truly exploring the possibilities. Like I said, I've got a, a sort of a script outline here next to me. I've been making notes on it and I've bought some, uh, some charcoal pencils and, um, sketching, sketching pencils and, and some paints and stuff. Cause I'm going to explore like storyboarding because I've got these visual ideas in my mind and I want to put them into a 2d format so that not only do I have them there to look at and go like, Hey, look, I created in a different format and I'm learning more about my my craft my trade of filmmaking and really 
really uh, expanding my horizons in that way, in a way that I never thought I could do. Like I can remember when I was doing commercial filmmaking full time, I was like, well, I can't do storyboarding. There's no time for that in the budget. So I'll just never learn that. I'll just do it my way. I'll just do it run and gun. That was great when you have a fucking limited budget to work with. But now that I have all the time in the world and it's not like I'm, you know, creating fucking really expensive work, but I have the time and the space to explore and to see the possibilities. And there's some things that I want to do with, uh, you know, uh, basically I'm, I'm putting my, my main film idea, not on hold, but it's just going to be working on it in the background while, while I produce some smaller works first, because I want to use those as like a testing ground experimentation for certain ideas and, uh, you know, practical things. And I also want to practice, um, building some sets and paintings and, and working with miniatures and things like that. Like, I don't know what it'll be like yet, but you know, that's part of the process too. And that's something that I've been really missing. And as I've been focusing on the mirror, it's been really great, but I have been kind of missing that sort of hands-on, uh, approach. So that's what I'm going on to work on next. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be exploring some different techniques that I've been sort of learning from watching the films of Orson Welles uh, the work of Kenji Mizuguchi and David Lynch's earlier work and probably sort of Twin Peaks, The Return. Um, ideas of of duration, uh, I guess, camera techniques, sort of working working with physicality and sets in a way that I never have before. And this is all new to me. So I'm speaking about this with some kind of confidence, but I have no idea where it's going to go. So that's that's what I'm going on to do next. But in the meantime, I'm sure I'm going to have, well, I know because I already have plenty of ideas for the mirror. And now it's just a case of translating that into what the new chapter will be like. So I don't know, you know, it's going to be six months between the time of recording to when this episode is released. Maybe by then I do have new things to share. But if I don't, then who cares? Who fucking cares? I'm doing it my way. And this is just, this is just me working it out as it always has been. And that's a beautiful thing. So I have uh, just a couple more notes I want to talk about. In fact, I've barely even touched my notes, but let's, let's just roll through it. Let's keep going. So, you know, I'm at this point now where the mirror has helped me come to a time in my life, uh, a moment uh, and an existence that I'm much happier with that I can look at myself in the mirror and not be unhappy with what I see. And I'm not talking physically, I'm talking metaphysically, emotionally, um, but I don't necessarily need the mirror, you know, and that's a scary and exciting thing to realize is that like, I could just stop this and let it go and that's fine. And, and that's a part of that letting go. But that extends to other elements in my life too. And I've, I realized something listening to the, this Jungian life podcast, and I'll have to link it as well, but the, the episode about letting go that they did, um, just follow the link and listen to it. They've, they're very calming group of elder, not like super old, but just like older than me. Uh, psychologists who are analytical psychologists who are really well versed in the works of of Carl Jung and they talk about letting go and they analyze dreams and it 
And basically it made me realize that I kept having these dreams about certain people in my life and certain things that I do like my filmmaking, you know, career commercially and just certain people. And I've been so worried about, about what it all means. But what I've realized is that every time in these dreams, these things hurt me. And it's because it's my subconscious telling me that in real life, holding onto these things is hurting me more than letting them go. It's hard. Our ego makes us, you know, want to hold on to these ideas of what we do and who we are and our identities. But our subconscious is constantly telling us that it's okay to let go if only we will listen. I have fucking, um, like I, last night for the first time ever, I, uh, I watched a Wes Anderson film, the, the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which was really great, but it made me realize how we hold on to these ideas of who we are and, and how much they can hurt us. And, and that character was uh, that Bill Murray plays was going through a similar thing. Like he'd been this one thing his entire life. And that made me realize I've seen that before uh, in real life. I've seen people who run multi-million dollar businesses basically destroy their own life and burn bridges with every single person around them and cause misery to everyone who works for them because they couldn't admit that just because they were, you know, just because they did the career that they do 30 years ago doesn't mean that they still need to do it now. They couldn't let go of the idea that, well, I, I did this then, so I do this now. But the, what was inside of them was telling them something completely different. And instead of, instead of being able to come to terms with that and, and, and realizing that they needed to change, they needed to walk away from this thing, this identity, this idea of who they were that was not only causing them so much pain, but because they had power over other people in a workplace environment, they were causing other people pain. They, they just stuck with it and they just kept hurting other people and hurting themselves. Like, I saw a fucking 50 year, 50 year old man cry in front of me after accusing me of, of being the problem in their business. And then me having the courage to stand up to them and say, no, you need to get your shit together. They cried in front of me and I didn't know what to do. It was just like, I get it. Like it hurts, man. It hurts to be like that. But that to me was the biggest lesson that I ever had that like, I can't go down that I can't go down that path. I can't continue to live a life like that. And if I stayed there, if I stayed in that mindset of, of, you know, being a commercial filmmaker and doing that thing, and I'm not saying that's the same for everyone, but it was the same. It was how it was for me. I was just going to lose my fucking mind. I was just staring at myself in the future and I would hate to see anyone be that way. I'd hate to see anyone feel like they're in that position that it's always just going to be that way. And, and I think at that point, and, and like I was the same, but I'd only been doing it for a couple of years, but everything you're doing is out of fear, out of fear of, of the unknown, of, of changing things, out of fear of maybe going, this isn't working. I've got to be someone else, you know, out of fear of wanting to, like I said earlier, be the guy that everyone comes to, but you can't do things out of fear because it will kill you. Like you have to do things out of love. And that's just not loving what you do, but it's like loving yourself enough to let yourself accept the fact that, okay, maybe you can't work 40 hours a week. Maybe you're not going to be the guy who runs the multi-million dollar successful video production studio. 
Maybe you're the guy who makes $45,000 a year, if that, and you make these little projects for yourself and that's okay. Like it's totally okay because then you will be a better person and you can share that love with others. And sharing the mirror in this first week that it's been out gave me that fear again. It made me feel like, oh, I need to post on Instagram more because uh, it's not, you know, it's not reaching hundreds of thousands of people. So I need to do that. But that's the fear again. And I can't do that. I've gone too much down the path of love that I can't keep living my life with fear. And it feels good to say these things. And I and I hope that I will continue that way. And, and I'm sure I'll stumble as I as we always do. But as long as you're having those honest conversations with yourself, like, and realizing that what you do is not who you are. It doesn't define you. Like, who the fuck cares? As long as you're not living in that bubble of delusion, I think like you're going to be, you're going to be just fine. <laughs> and and part of that for me has obviously been, you know, cutting back on the amount of sort of online internet content I consume because so much of it is just ironic and, and irony is great. I love it. I think it's hilarious, but so much of it just fucking poisons you and makes you become that cynical person. You know, you need your comforts, but you can't completely retreat into that world because you just become so cynical. And I, you know what? I'm not even going to mention them because I feel like so many of them just make their, their bones from making fun of other people. And like the biggest thing on these sort of influencer pages now is let's make fun of other YouTubers and let's make fun of people who make stupid TikToks. But it's like, okay, that's, that's what gets you attention and, and, and your audience, but you're not really fixing the problem. You're just continuing the status quo because you're not only giving, you know, promotion to these people, even though you're making fun of them, but you're also not making something positive. And that's not necessarily a sense of like, we need to live in delusion and make these happy go lucky bullshit things. But it's like, your work is dependent on theirs. And I've, I've sat here and I've judged, well, not judged, but I've, I've made an assessment on Instagram content and TikTok content and things like that. But fuck, at least the people making stuff on there are making it, you know, where would these YouTube uh, podcast personalities be without other people to make fun of? And I don't want to be a part of that anymore. Actually, recently the cinema cartography announced that they were sort of taking a new approach to their projects going forward as well. And they basically said the same thing. Like, we're not going to focus on the negative shit anymore. Like, not that they ever really did that. They've always been really good at outlining, like, these are great works that should be engaged with. And these are ways to approach things. But I think it's just really important that you give people a positive vision of the world. And that's what I want to do as well. I want to focus on the good shit. I don't want to make my bones by talking shit on the things that I hate. And I, I've, it, it fills you up with like a cheap pleasure, but it never lasts long. And I fucking hate it. I'm just sick of it. And I don't think that I've indulged it too much, but like what I want really, what I really want, I realize lately is I want to teach people and I want to share things and discuss things with them and ideas. And I want to get out of my own head, this like theoretical existence I'm in and take things to people in the real world. Like I, I think I want to be a teacher and I don't necessarily think that's a high school teacher, but more like a, maybe a university or, or, or like TAFE because that's, you know, a bit older, but potentially 
like community workshops. That's what I'm really looking at. I went to, I went to the library yesterday. I joined the library here and, um, it made me, I I just forgotten how amazing the library is. Like I hadn't really been a part of a library for ages. I've just neglected it, but it is such a beautiful thing to be able to access these things and share them with other people. I mean, I always get this anxiety around like consumption and buying things. And like, I love, I love books and I love movies, but I always feel so like blah about it, you know? And, And I think it's good to support artists and I think it's good to pay things and contribute to the, to the creation of great work. I, I'm not diminishing that, but I just, sometimes I'm like, oh, do I really need to go and buy all these books? And I'm like, fuck, like Anna was like, just go to the library. And I was like, yeah, holy shit. I should go to the library. I've been wanting to read HP Lovecraft, but I didn't bring my book with me when I moved. I've got to go back and get a bunch of my stuff, including most of my, most of my books. And went to the library yesterday and they have book clubs and they have Lego clubs and they have a, a film club and they have workshops. And I was like, fuck, this is what I want to do. I want to be here. I want to be around other people. Like I'm not going to find like-minded people on the internet, maybe, but the internet is a dark and cynical place. Like it mostly is. Anyone who talks about like the positivity of it, it's like, it's because you don't have it in real life. And I think a library can be a perfect place to do that because there are going to be like-minded people. And as I've always said, you know, you've got to just look at what's around you and try and make connections there. You can't sit around and wait for the perfect friends all the time because there's no such thing. And I think if anyone's showing up to a fucking book club and a film club at a library, those are my people, you know? And And that's better than me just sitting here watching all these fucking video essays that people make about how stupid this movie is and telling me like pretty woman explained. It's like, why do I need a five minute video explaining to me me the plot of a movie? I can fucking figure it out myself. We can all figure it out ourselves. If we just give ourselves the chance to do it, we don't need any of this stuff. And so then I, I start to ask myself, well, why do I create the mirror? You know, why do I create things like what I want to do, which is sort of some video essay style work. And well, it's because I still think there's room for sharing your ideas and there is absolutely room for, you know, curating work that you want to share with other people. But when I see these YouTubers and it's just like talking about how bad this show is and how bad this is, it's like, well, fuck this. Like, what is the point of all of it? It's, it's useless. It just, like I said, it adds to the status quo And you can get so addicted to that. You can get so into that like desire to just run down other people. I I think that, I don't know, it's not ideal. And and at least the good thing about something like art is that it has like real art. It has that space for you. It has that space for you to draw your own conclusions. If you did outgrow the need for something like podcasts and, and Twitch streams and whatnot on the internet, that's a good thing. That's a desirable outcome. And I've said it before in this project. And I would hope that if other people come to that point too, that you move on from the mirror because you don't need me anymore. If you're out there creating things and if you're out there living your life in an intentional way that you want to, and you don't feel the need to reach for, you know, to reach for a voice like mine, a voice like them, then fuck we've done our job like that's that's really all I can say I I would hope I mean 
if I want to, if we want to have a better future going forward, it has to start with having a better future for yourself and having a better and having a better present for yourself right now. And I, I don't know everything, you know, this, this likely isn't my great work of my life. I, at this point, I mean, when I started the mirror, I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever made. But now I'm like, if this is the best work I do, then I'm fucking disappointed because my, not my expectation, but my vision of what is possible of what I am capable of creating has increased so much. This is just scratching the surface. But I think that, you know, again, as I've always said, it's important to, to rub shoulders with, with great artists, to, to experience great work. And I don't think podcasts and YouTubers and Twitch streamers are generally really that. I just, I just don't think they are. That was the, that was the conclusion I had when I started this project. And it's still the conclusion I have now. This is not a replacement for creating great work. I I think it's important and I think it helps, but you always want people to outgrow your work. I think that's a scary thing too. How can, how can you do that? I always know I need your attention. You know, I need you always here listening to me, but that's not how people grow. You can't stay in one place and I'm not, I'm not staying in one place. So, so my plan for the mirror, I guess, going forward is I'm going to do more studies. That's, that's my plan. More, more constructed, produced, deeper studies into work that I find important and likely branching into video format as well, like video essays, um, mini series that I, uh, you know, and, and readings of great literature as you would have already heard before as well. And most importantly, I just want to spend even more time on things that I'm creating to continue to continue to consider and question what I'm saying and what I believe. And I want to involve more people as well in what I'm doing. I don't just want it to be just me talking to a microphone, but I want it to be thoughtful and and intentional as well. Like there's a place for candid off the cuff reflection. And I can absolutely see that going forward, there will probably be more of this, but I really want to challenge myself to, to improve and it feels like that's the next step for me. I can riff, you know, here I am. It's an hour and a half. I've been riffing on a bunch of notes in front of me. I don't even know where the fuck I am. It's awesome. It's the Jazz Odyssey. It's the 20th episode, Jazz Odyssey Spectacular. Um, I can riff, but what happens when I plan things out? We'll see, but I envision less frequent, possibly shorter, but more highly produced audio and video work. And it's not about like me aiming lower. It's about knowing exactly what you want with your ideas and actually spending more of that time, spending more of that time creating and crafting a, a, a more finalized piece of work. I mean, Michelangelo could have just chipped off a few pieces of marble and said, here's your statue, but he didn't. He carved it down and did things until the point where he got them to where he wanted to be. And it's the same thing with everything I want. And it's not that I want this crazy, like uh, super strict life. Like I'm always going to have flexibility. I always need that. But what I put out there, I just want to be more well thought out. That's my plan. And, and I've really been taking inspiration from um, sort of the lives and careers of two filmmakers. And I'll, I'll link some of their, at least um, one of them has films on YouTube and the other one I'm, I'm not sure, but they're on, they're on movie. You can check them out. 
um, probably on some other streaming services as well. But James Benning and Kelly Reichart, like their approach to life and filmmaking is that they are both teachers, uh, lecturers at universities, and they guide people and they give people a chance at a different vision of life and art. And from, but from the perspective, but from the perspective of a practicing artist, they're not just academics. Like I had teachers who, when I was at university, who hadn't made anything in their field in decades. <laughs> uh, and I don't think that's very conducive to good teachers. They were good in their own ways. Don't get me wrong, but like the films of James Benning and Kelly Rackard are unique, but the similarity that they have is that they focus on doing it in their, doing it their way over time. Like Kelly Reichardt, especially like she didn't make film for like 12 years or maybe longer or something like that between like the, the nineties and the early two thousands. And then when she had an idea for a film again, she went out and did it. And, and she does that. She goes and makes her money and helps, you know, shape the minds of people moving forward. And that's what I want to do. And then when I, when I have the money and when everything is ready, cause I'll be working on things as time goes on, I will go out and make the projects. And, that, and that's an exciting thing too. Like it is really exciting to realize that. And that, that sort of sense of doing things in your own time and like James Benning, he just, he, it's just him and his camera and he just goes and drives around and works on his films and films at different locations, like across the, the different States that he, that he travels to in America and just films like you'll see them. I'll link the film, uh, 10 skies and small roads and maybe a couple others as well. It depends what's still on YouTube at the time, but, um, the the way he does things like he just absolutely takes his time and it's not that again it's not that hollywood model there are different ways to do things i've talked about david lynch making a razor head and um there's a really great quote here that i just i just want to quote from an interview with uh dean hurley who's the like musician sound engineer sound recordist audio audio technician that he collaborates with and he gives a great insight into the difference between the way David Lynch approaches a project and then a sort of more traditional post-production environment. And that is so attractive to me. And it also makes a lot more sense for how I approach filmmaking and different art creation as well. So here's, here's from that interview. The interviewer asks, I'm getting the sense that working with David Lynch at that time was really different from a traditional post-production environment where roles tend to be very regimented. And Dean Hurley says, definitely. The way a typical Hollywood workflow has evolved over the years is that the audio workload is divided up between a number of different people because you often need a fairly sizable team just to be able to deliver versions of a consistently evolving picture edit and be able to turn around temporary mixes for intermittent test screenings along the way. That had just started to be ingrained in my head, and I was thinking, this isn't exactly fulfilling the way this is all diced up like this. When I went to work for David, that mentality was basically inverted. David was doing everything, and it was typically just me serving a wide variety of audio-based roles. And most importantly, it was an arena where he didn't differentiate between music or sound. They were considered the same in a lot of ways. I started to realize under David, the entire creative endeavor of constructing a motion picture experience sonically 
doesn't have to be as complicated as it is for the larger projects with committees of producers, test screenings, and strict schedules. I think what a lot of people respond to in David's approach is that he makes feature films and television in the same way he made his 16mm shorts as an art student. It's a singular approach to a big medium, and his knowledge of each layer of the process allows for a uniform command over everything. Movie making can be a kind of painterly experience if one has a level of knowledge and command over all of the disciplines involved. And that, that's it for me right there. That's where I'm at. That's where I want to be. <laughs> like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to just explore everything because I have such a wide ranging interest and everything on the internet tells you how to be such a good little capitalist filmmaker to niche everything down and to have someone who, you know, fills every single role. And I, I was watching, like I said, Steve Zissou last night and I saw how many people were involved in that film and it just gave me fucking anxiety. And I was like, give me, <laughs> give me the, the Kelly Reichardt, give me the James Benning, give me the David Lynch painterly 16 millimeter student art film approach because it just works. Like it's different. And that's, that's where my interest is. Everything's different every day, you know? So, and, and he puts out the most amazing finalized products that exist in my opinion. I've spoken about him at length, but, um, the sun is going down, but there's a beautiful sort of fading blue sky. It's very quiet here. The dog is still napping on the sofa and I'm going to leave it here for today, everybody, but I hope you enjoyed that roller coaster because I enjoyed recording it for you. That's an hour and a half of just straight carnage and I can't wait to edit it or not I'm just I'm probably not going to edit it too much <laughs> I can't wait to show you what comes next and if this is you know the last time you hear from me for a while don't be a stranger and uh, feel free to get in touch with what you're doing I, I love to chat to people about what's going on with their projects and their life and um you know, if you've made it this far, if you've committed to this project in the way that I have, I would love to know what you think about all these things. And I feel like, as they say in football, we really left it out on the field today. I feel like I I left no stone unturned and I, and I hope that things came across as as truthfully as I, as I feel them, that if more than anything, I hope you get something from this, but I hope more than that, you can move beyond it. I hope that you can, like I said, get to a point where you have your own sense of creating the mirror as a stepping stone towards whatever it is that you're trying to do with your life. And I wish you all the best. I will chat to you again when I chat to you. And thank you very much for listening to The Mirror. I love you all. I have been Justin Reed and goodbye. <laughs>